But first, a bill protecting same-sex and interracial marriages under federal law has cleared a critical hurdle in the Senate. Twelve Republicans and 50 Democrats in the upper chamber passed a test vote for the Respect for Marriage Act. This has been top of mind for many LGBTQ advocates since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade back in June. So joining us now with more on this is Andrew Koppelman. He is the John Paul Stevens Professor of Law at Northwestern University. Welcome to Reset, Professor. Happy to be here. Also on the line is Susan Burgess, Distinguished Professor Emerita of Political Science at Ohio University and Senior Professional Lecturer at DePaul. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back again, Sasha. Professor Burgess, we'll start with you. Just set the stage for us. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, as I mentioned, back in June. But what did that mean for same-sex marriage rights? Uh, That's right, Sasha. So uh, the Dobbs case was about abortion rights. But because abortion rights are grounded in the right to privacy, if the right to choose whether to bear or to get a child is being given up to the states, as it was in that case of Dobbs, if the states have carte blanche over that, then other parts of the right to privacy might also come under attack or might be also be overturned, uh, specifically same-sex marriage and perhaps interracial marriage as well, which is you know the subject matter that this bill covers. Um, that's particularly concerning. It became particularly concerning for LGBT people because in his concurring opinion, Justice Thomas, who has uh, it seems, control over the majority of the court right now, urged a reconsideration of cases um, pertaining to contraception and same-sex marriage at the earliest possible moment. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the issue, and that's why the bill is coming up. Professor Koppelman, what is the Respect for Marriage Act, and what would it do exactly? Uh, what it does, it does not require states to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples, but it does require states to recognize such marriages when they're performed in other states. And uh, so it addresses, uh, well, I think that Thomas's uh, statement is irresponsible, but uh, because uh, terrified, the, there's about half a million same-sex couples in the United States, and the reason we have law is so that people can predictably plan their lives. But uh, there are still quite a lot of states that have laws still on the books. That uh, there's 32 of them that say that uh, there won't be same-sex marriage. Those laws were uh, made null by the Obergefell decision, which legalized yeah. same-sex marriage across the country. But if the court overruled Obergefell, that would uh, that those laws would spring back to life. And so uh, that the results of that are frankly insane. It would mean that uh, the uh, people uh, could get out of any obligation arising out of a marriage uh, after a divorce or without even bothering to divorce. The same-sex spouse could flee with the family's assets to another state. Mm. They could marry an opposite-sex spouse without even disclosing to that person the existence of the prior marriage. Since the marriage is void in the new state, there'd be no legally valid existing marriage to disclose. It's completely insane. Okay. Congress didn't—nobody thought about this when they said, well, some states can do it and some states can't. But that's actually authorized by the Federal Defense of Marriage Act, which in pertinent part is still valid. Right. So help us understand this test vote. What did that mean exactly? And, and what are the next steps then for the legislation? 
So uh, Congress, uh, before it takes up any bill, there is a motion to proceed on the bill. And if uh, someone filibusters that motion, it, which uh, routinely happens these days, it takes 60 votes for the Senate even to agree to proceed to debate. Uh, and there are only 50 Democrats. But it turned out that there were more than 10 Republicans who were prepared to vote to proceed with the bill. And so now that's resolved. And now that uh, the decision has been made to proceed with the bill, you'll be able to uh, pass the bill, I think, pretty easily because you've got over 10 Republicans mm -hmm. committed to letting the bill go forward. Yeah. And the bill already passed uh, in a somewhat different version in the House. And making sure that it uh, passes in exactly the Senate language, again, in the House, is going to be one of the last legislative acts of the exceedingly capable Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. To that end, Professor Burgess, you know, some LGBTQ advocates, they, they think that this bill doesn't go far enough. So can you talk more about some of its limitations? Sure. I think there's probably two main limitations that are of concern right now. So one is that um, it, the bill doesn't protect same-sex marriage as a national right. You know, it just says that full faith and credit will be given to marriages performed in states that are willing to recognize same-sex marriage. What that means is, for example, you know, in the state of Illinois, you have to be 18 to get married, but in Mississippi, you can get married if you're 15, if you have parental consent. But even though those rules are different, uh, those Mississippi marriages will be recognized in Illinois. So similarly, the idea is um, that all same-sex marriages that were performed in states that allow them would be recognized across state lines. And that's really important for things like, you know, I mean, people do move to other states. Yeah. They travel through them, you know, health issues arise, so on and so forth. So that's one concern, that it doesn't protect the national right. The second concern is that um, the protection of religious freedom that is included in the bill could really be a facade for bigotry or discrimination, uh, white supremacy, Christian nationalism. And, of course, we have a history of that in the United States. Christianity yeah. has been used to justify or to try to justify enslaving people, later segregation, uh, refusing to serve blacks, refusing to serve Jews, and any others, you know, deemed unworthy uh, by people of this persuasion who insist that, you know, it's part of the Christian religion. So right. um, it, it's important to recognize opposing interests in constitutional law cases. There's nothing wrong with recognizing religious freedom, but if it's going to be used as a pretext for discrimination, uh, that poses a different set of problems. Yeah. Professor Koppelman, do you have any thoughts on that, of these so-called religious protections that were added to the bill? Well, the religious protections only apply to nonprofit religious organizations. It says that they're not required to provide services for a solemnization of a marriage, which is probably the result that the Supreme Court would already reach for federal anti-discrimination law under the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is still there. So I'm less concerned about that. The really 
big burden of the act is uh, saying that uh, you can't get married in your home state. You have to travel to another state, get married, and come home. That's burdensome. It's insulting. It's an awkward way to protect marriage. But given that uh, it's probably all that the Supreme Court will allow Congress to do, since the Supreme Court is so suspicious of congressional power, yeah. uh, it's much better than what we risk, which is having the law treat your family as if they were strangers to one another. This does mean that if you're willing to endure this inconvenience of traveling out of state, you can be secure in your marriage. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're discussing the Respect for Marriage Act, which passed a test vote in the Senate this week. And our guests are political science professor Susan Burgess and law professor Andrew Koppelman. So, Professor Burgess, why now? Tell us why this is the moment, you think, to to push this legislation through Congress. Well, the Democrats are about to lose power in the House. And as my friend Andrew mentioned, um, there a similar bill is already passed in the House. So, it's a moment where the Democrats want to, you know, get this bill passed through the Senate and then uh, reconcile it with the House and put it on President Biden's desk for a signature before the lame deck session is over. An interesting thing that happened was um, Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, who is shepherding this bill through Congress and who incidentally is the first out lesbian in Congress, um, she and the Democratic leadership decided to wait until after the elections to put the bill up for a vote. Uh, that angered some progressives who said that Republicans should be put on record. But Senator Baldwin and the leadership decided to give the Republicans some breathing room until after the elections. And that was a pretty big risk, but it seems to have paid off because, as um, Professor Kaufman mentioned, you know, there are 12 Republicans on board. It's filibuster-proof um, you know, uh, um, majority supermajority, and um, three of the 12 uh, Republican votes are from retiring Republicans uh, in Missouri and Virginia, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And um, some other noteworthy states that you might not necessarily put in the category of protecting gay rights, such as Wyoming, Utah, North Carolina, Indiana, and Iowa, also uh, those senators, senators from those states also are included in the 12. So um, it's a strategic move, I think. And this bill also codifies interracial marriage rights. You know, it's been 55 years since Loving versus Virginia. I know that there are folks who probably didn't realize that this was still up for discussion. Why did it take so long? Seemed to um, be at risk. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Professor Fox. Yeah, the uh, I mean, nobody is uh, nobody on the Supreme Court has ever made a statement as reckless and frightening as Justice Thomas's statement about same-sex marriage. Uh, it's a right in the Constitution. It seems pretty clear that no members of the present court would overrule the constitutional protection of interracial marriage. Justice Thomas is in an interracial marriage. And so uh, it hasn't come up on the agenda because it wasn't necessary. You have thoughts, Professor Burgess? Um, I think that's right. And I think that um, because Obergefell versus Hodges, the same-sex marriage case, cited loving the interracial marriage case as precedent, there's a linkage between the two. I mean, one of the only, one of the things that's very interesting about the Loving case is it's one of the only cases in which the United States Supreme Court acknowledges um, 
white supremacy by name and calls it, using those words, calls it unconstitutional and against the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. So I think there's a important linkage between these issues. Right, right. Well, what will it take, Professor Koppelman, to, to get the Respect for Marriage Act to Biden's desk? And will it happen before the House swears in a Republican majority in January? It will certainly. It has to happen before the House swears in a new Republican majority, because uh, at the end of the year, this Congress is over and uh, all of the votes on bills in progress have no effect thereafter. So they have to do it before the new Congress comes in. But it's pretty clear that that's the intention there. Uh, Senate procedure is slow, so it doesn't look like they're going to vote for it until after Thanksgiving. And after that, I expect the House to move pretty quickly and uh, for it to be signed by President Biden uh, sometime in early December. Last word to you, Professor Burgess. What else are you watching for as this legislation moves forward? I agree with I agree with uh, Professor Cobbleman that it will go through. I think one of the noteworthy things about it is, you know, in the recent elections, we saw a shift towards protecting abortion rights, you know, even again, even in very red states such as Montana and Kentucky. Um, there was a resounding cry against further criminalizing abortion and um, and uh, protecting it, abortion rights in other states, Michigan, Vermont and California. So one of the things that's interesting is that in these 50, 60 years that have gone by, um, gay people have, you know, gay people used to be thought of as perverts or worse pedophiles, you know, and now gay people are seen as part of respectable families. And that's very important uh, going forward for the American public's views about that. Seventy percent of people are in favor of same-sex marriage, 83 percent of Democrats, and even 55 percent of Republicans, right? So the majority in both parties uh, favors protecting same-sex marriage. And, um, you know, it needs to be codified in law in case, as Professor Koppelman said, this crazy Supreme Court decides to go further against the clear will of the American people. We'll have to leave it there. Political science professor Susan Burgess from Ohio University in DePaul and law professor Andrew Koppelman. Thank you both.